Welcome to Equip This Church, Dunedin. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bruce Monk. For more information, check out equipthischurch.com. Very good. Just uh, perhaps if you feel comfortable, lift your hands and let's just, uh, we know the Holy Spirit's present, but it's always good to ask Him to minister to you, us. And so, Father, with our hands lifted, we just welcome, we welcome the Holy Spirit. We just say, come present yourself. We know, Holy Spirit, whenever you're present, you're our counsellor, you're our teacher, you empower us. Whenever you're present, you always love to lift up the person of Jesus. And we pray this morning that you will do that. Father, you'll locate every individual, but you'll also minister to us corporately as a church so that we might be able to reach out and extend the kingdom of God to broken and vulnerable humanity in Jesus' name. So we welcome you. We thank you for your presence now. Amen. Amen. Turn around and give a couple of people a good smile, kiss, high five or something. Really uh, great to be with you. Thank you, Willie and Desiree, for inviting me. It's always good to come to Dunedin. And even though it's a bit more bit more of a chill down this uh, neck of the woods. Um, <laughs> it's always good to come, and I love coming down to seeing uh, familiar faces, but new faces also, and just to see what God's doing. God's moving, and I believe that we are living in a significant day, and, uh, you know, whenever God is moving, you always find there's testings around it, things are happening. Uh, never get discouraged by that. Always keep your focus on the person of Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to really strengthen you in what God wants to do. Um, I've got a couple of books uh, here today. Uh, one is one I've written myself, which is called Pave the Way, Embracing a Life of Legacy. And it really uh, just goes through uh, just the journey, in a way, my story, uh, going back to my father, and then just the whole development of equippers and just the, the understanding of key significant scriptures that have helped us form what God's wanting to do. So just gives you an understanding. The other book I've got is my wife uh, has written a devotional. So it's 180-day devotions. Uh, there's two versions. I've only got one, black, uh, one colored one, but several of these black and white ones. And it's not just a girly book. It's a good for guys. If you don't have a good devotional life, I really recommend it because one of the great gifts that my wife carries is a gift of faith, and you will find that that will really stir your faith every day, just to get into the Word of God, get into God, allow God to refresh you and renew you. Uh, we'd love to be able to give them away, but they did cost us to print, um, but they're very, very reasonable. Today, I'll just uh, sell both of those together for $35. That's pretty good pretty good price. Uh, if you're buying them singly, $20 each, but you can get them for 35 Amen? Give those away, Desiree, if you wouldn't mind. Thank you. Good, good. It's really good to um, be with you, and really what I want to do today, and uh, when, when you're ministering, you always know that sometimes you share the same thing twice, and I could do that today quite deliberately, uh, because what I want to do is just share more of a testimony uh, because I believe right now God is really wanting to catch our attention. And sometimes what we need to hear uh, to develop our confidence is someone else's story. So today I, what I want to do is tell a wee bit of my journey, my story. Uh, because I believe that God is really wanting to captivate our hearts so that we actually build 
and have an understanding and a confidence in godly encounters. Uh, because godly encounters help to define our life. Uh, our first probably major godly encounter, which I'm not going to overly talk about today, is when we do open our heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that should always be a moment where we remember because you've got to go back to that moment to say that in the way is a beginning of God's redemptive story in our life, the moment we give our heart to Jesus. And I, I pray even as I speak, you would just reflect and go back to the day you gave your heart to Jesus, because that's the beginning of God writing a story in your life. He's crafting out a journey for you to walk in, and it's very, very important. But then in life, we don't have those encounters every day, even though the Holy Spirit is always present with us. But as you go through life, you will find if you let the Holy Spirit, there will be significant moments where He will come and He will speak to you and you will have a divine encounter. And for me, they have been very, very powerful in my journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, there have been um, significant moments where he's spoken, significant moments where I've made a decision, significant moments where I've surrendered. And those, those uh, in a way, have, have always created a path, when I look back, of God putting me on a path where I am and my wife and my children are blessed. Because really on the other side of our obedience is God's blessing. And so often we want the blessing of God but we don't really know how to embrace the journey to release us into the blessing of God. It's not just the declaration. It is actually also a walk of obedience. And so I want to give you a story. Uh, if you go back, uh, I started off uh, after going through school. I was a dairy farm, had my own farm. And one of the most important encounters in the beginning after my conversion was one morning at quarter to five in the morning where I was walking the cows to be milked. And so I was behind them, and I just really felt the Holy Spirit's presence in a very powerful way. And I remember kneeling in the dirty old cow track and making a very powerful commitment to Christ. And in a way, it was when I reflect and look back, it was a moment of surrender. It's almost like when you open your heart, but you open your hands and say, God, I, I'm, this is not, I'm not going to play with you. I surrender my whole life. I surrender everything I have. I give it over to you. In a way, I entrust you. And I remember that moment was powerful. Uh, it was significant. Uh, I sold the farm that we had, and now it's divided into lifestyle blocks. And uh, where the, the, cow, the cow track was is now a roadway. And so regularly when I go through uh, to Otaki and on the way to Wellington or whatever, I will often drive up this old, what was the cow track, is now a roadway, I go right to the top of it, and I always love to get out of my car, and I walk down, and I kneel in exactly the same spot as I knelt that particular morning, quarter to five in the morning. I love to kneel there. And what I do is when I kneel there, I do say thank you. But I love to remember what I prayed that day, because I don't want to forget the significance of my prayer. But secondly, I also don't want to forget what I felt. And our feelings are important. You, you never, ever want to downplay what you felt. And that was an important moment. And several times I've gone back, knelt down, and I just remember what I felt. I, I know what I felt when I gave my heart to Christ, but I don't want to forget what I felt 
at that defining moment where in a way I gave my life and it became the defining moment that released me from what I was doing then to what I'm doing now. It was a defining moment, an important moment. There's been several other ones, but I want to share one significant one which really probably changed the direction of my life at Equippers and what God has done around the world. And uh, it was in 1995, Helen and I had been in ministry a number of years. We decided to take a sabbatical. And so we did this uh, amazing international trip. We were away for three months and we went to Australia, we went to South Africa, we went to a place called Burkina Faso, uh, which is where Eileen Somerville was on the Ivory Coast. Uh, we then went from there, we went into London. Uh, it was when we were in London that God spoke to us about uh, what God would really want to do through uh, our lives. And then we did a trip. We went right into uh, France, Switzerland, uh, Italy, uh, from Italy into Austria, Germany, and then back. And we did this trip around. I'd never do it again that way, but that's what we did. But it's amazing that all the places we went, we now have churches. And I, I look back, and it was almost like God was giving us an overview. Came back from the sabbatical and really didn't feel as though God had completely answered my prayer. And so I felt that the church in Auckland, and you might relate to this where you are now, we'd come to a ceiling. It was as though God wanted to do more, but in a way we were hindered. And one day the Holy Spirit really started to speak to me and he spoke and said, you are the hindrance, which is not nice to hear. And, uh, and so I thought, okay. Uh, but then it, in a way, when he spoke, it was as though God was preparing me for what he wanted to say to me. And so at the time, uh, I just want to go up on the board. God, I was reading through 1 Kings, uh, and my scripture that day was 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 29. I mentioned a wee bit of this in my book. But I want to, I believe there's an impartation today in what I share. And I pray that you'll open your heart to let God, in a way, provoke you. And it just came to this verse that says, And God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and then largeness of heart like the sand of the seashore. And I, I looked at it and I thought, wow, that's a powerful scripture. And the Holy Spirit, just, this is why I never, ever underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit to speak to you. The Holy Spirit said, Bruce, I want you to make this particular verse your prayer. I want you to pr start praying it every day. And I, I, I like, like it, the wording of it. I want wisdom. How many want wisdom? <laughs> and I want exceedingly great understanding. Just as a, a young person, you might be sitting here today and you might be doing university. Uh, be careful that you don't let knowledge Elevate, be elevated over wisdom. We need knowledge, knowledge, but knowledge becomes the catalyst to wisdom. It becomes the catalyst to actually, in a way, applying what you learn into a place of action. Jesus taught that really clearly. So you learn, but then you apply it, and that wisdom gives you the ability to apply knowledge. And when you apply knowledge, you then get understanding. So you have knowledge, and a lot of people have a lot of knowledge. But if you look at the way they live their life, they don't have a lot of wisdom. <laughs> so knowledge really 
needs to be activated by wisdom, then when you have wisdom, you have understanding. And when you look at it, what is understanding? Well, Helen and I have been married this year 52 years. We have a little understanding <laughs> on what marriage is like. And there's nothing worse than when you're getting a young upstart who's got some knowledge on, on either marriage or raising children. They've never been married or had kids. And they start telling you how to, how to have a good marriage or raise children. And I just say, when you've got four kids, come and talk to me. Because right now you don't have a lot of wisdom and you don't have any understanding. You've only read some knowledge from a book. So be careful. Get what I'm saying? Be careful that you don't elevate knowledge because knowledge really doesn't direct the path of your life. Wisdom and understanding do. And then it goes on, and this is the part that really spoke to me. It just says, and largeness of heart like the sand of the seashore. And again, I really felt the Holy Spirit said to me, your heart is small, Bruce. Your capacity is not big enough for what I want to do. And at the, at the time, I actually thought I had a good capacity. I thought I had a bigness of heart. But God saw something different. God saw something that wasn't big enough for what he wanted to do. And so when I read the Bible in my devotion, I picked up, I responded to that scripture. Uh, I also love reading Psalms because Psalms becomes an expression. It's like an expression of what you feel. You know, so some days you're not feeling good. You read a psalm and David expresses, well, I don't feel too good today. It doesn't sound like that. But yet I believe, you know, that's just a summary of the psalm. So it gives you an understanding of the emotion. You don't, you don't hide what you feel, but you replace what you feel with faith. But you actually don't ride over what you feel with faith. You acknowledge what you feel and then replace it with faith. Real important to understand. And so I was reading through Psalms, and I was my Psalm was Psalm 78. And Psalm 78, if you actually read it, was all about the nation of Israel's stubbornness. Is anybody stubborn here today? Don't put your hand up. <laughs> but, but, but it's like, you know, the, the, it's almost like, you know, sometimes to explain stubbornness, Sometimes you, you think preachers don't see, but I sometimes see people quite stubborn when you're preaching. You're not going to change me today, you know. They sit there and they've got their handbrake on and they're not going to move. And that's just literally what it looks like. And sometimes you're in a meeting and you always know when people don't want to respond because they put their head down. <laughs> and they don't want to engage with you. You know, it's like, put your head down. He's not speaking to me. He's not moving me today. I'm, I've got my brakes on. I've got my feet down and nothing's going to change me. It's almost like that. And the nation of Israel, in a way, were like that. They lost hope. They weren't going to be mobilized or moved by God anymore. They come to a point in their life where they calculated their life out and God wasn't going to interfere or make changes in their life. But God wanted to. And the scripture that really spoke to me was Psalm 78. It's only one verse, verse 41. I came to it and it just explained the nation of Israel. It says, yes, again and again, they tempted God, the nation of Israel. And then it says, and they limited the Holy One of Israel. Say the word limited. limited. Say it again, limited. limited. Say it again, limited. limited. Limited means God wanted more, but they, by their own actions, hindered what God wanted to do. I read the word limited, and then I went into a dream. In the dream, I died. And I was now standing in the presence of Jesus. 
So this was an encounter. As I stood in the presence of Jesus, I was not disappointed. Everything about Jesus I saw and my heart was moved by. I remember the presence of Jesus very powerfully. And then I heard these words. It says, Bruce, I've never ever doubted your love for me. But while you were on earth, you limited me because I wanted to do far more through your life than you gave me permission to do. And so out of that, I, I came out of the dream and I just chose to lie on the floor and I wept. And you've got to take it in conjunction with the one king scripture. God gave wisdom, exceedingly great understanding, but it says, and largeness of heart like the sand of the seashore. And I, 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 I was really moved by the word to the point of saying, God, I don't want to live a life where one day I stand in your presence and you say you've limited me. You want to do far more through my life than I gave you permission to do. That day became the, that encounter became the catalyst of God renewing and starting to open my eyes and my heart to something that I'd never ever perceived or considered in my life before. I came out of it and I said, okay, God, like I did way back when I knelt in the middle of the farm, I surrendered. I said, God, I'm open to your will. Whatever you say to me, I, I, I will believe and I will do. And the Holy Spirit just spoke and he said, I want you to pray and to believe that you would plant 10 churches in 10 major cities of the world. This was way back in 1995. And I remember, remember hearing it, and I said, but, but you got the wrong man. Don't you know where I live? I live in New Zealand, which, if you really want to look at a map, is the butt of the earth. <laughs> and God's talking about 10 major cities around the world. I said, not only do I live at, you know, the butt of the earth, but I said, I live and come I'm a country boy. I come from Otaki. If I wanted to, if you heard what I, else I said, I said, I'm also dyslexic. I'm not an academic, but yet I think I'm quite clever. But I think you got the wrong person. He said, no, no, I've chosen you. All I'm asking you to do is to pray to obey, and to believe. And so I committed myself, and I shared it with Helen. And that's why in the year 2000, 2001, we went to London because God spoke to us. I remember the morning or the night I shared with Helen, I, I said, I felt God wants us to go to London and lead a church in London. And Helen said, no, no, uh, Children leave home, not parents. And the next morning, we have a prayer meeting. Uh, we had a staff meeting in our home. There was about, I don't know, 12 of us who came together. I remember coming into our lounge, and Helen always made breakfast for them once a month. and She'd make pancakes and bacon and all the goodies, and it'd come out. And the guys loved to come because they knew they were going to get a feed, but one thing I've always loved to do is create an environment. I call it piggy in the middle. 
doesn't matter whether I run an e-group or staff meeting, I always love to pray for everybody. We, don't, we never run a meeting like that without having Piggy in the middle. Come on, stand in the middle. We want to pray for you. And we did it every month. We'd pray for one another, lay hands on it. People would prophesy. And so I came to my turn, and I was at the end, and Helen, we stood in the middle. And there was this guy who was part of the staff, and really he had no idea of what you call ethics. He just didn't really understand that I was his boss. And you shouldn't really prophesy over your boss where you actually remove him from his position. <laughs> Not the right thing to do, but he didn't understand that, but he just prophesied. And he said, I'm sending you from this church and you'll go to another nation. And he started to talk about the conversation we'd had in our bedroom the night before. And I remember sitting there and jamming Helen in the ribs. <laughs> I think this might be God. <laughs> and, and, but out of it, we obeyed. We went to London. It was a big decision. It was a big decision for us. I was 52. Helen was 50. We go to London in the year 2000. We wouldn't have met Willie and Desiree if we hadn't obeyed and done that, gone on that journey. And so we arrived 2000, 2001. We go to London. I'll just tell you another part of it, just to show you how powerful prophetic words are. Get to London, 2001. In that year, a guy by the name of Dan Zeltner joins us in London. Dan, at that time, was coming to London because he wanted to learn English. That was his motivation. Joined our church, but we found out Dan was multi-talented. He could you know, play music. He could sing. He was good with young people. He was great multimedia, graphics, all that. I thought, well, I think we'll employ Dan. And Helen says, have you checked the balance of the church budget? I said, yeah, it's got no money in it, but we'll employ him because I think God wants us to. And so we sort of prayed, made a decision. In those days, the church wasn't big, but I just moved out in faith and said, we're going to employ him. I said to Dan, we'll pay you £10,000 a year, which wasn't a lot of money. He said, yes, and so that's it. And every, every month, the money was there to pay him. It was just one of those things that God did. But... After we employed him, we prayed for him and said, Dan's coming on staff. Helen goes back and she opens up and Helen's kept many prophecies. She's opened up this prophecy. The prophecy was given in 1997. And it was given by a guy who is very respected prophetic. And in it, he says, he, he intimates that we would go to London. And when we go to London, it says, a Swiss boy will join you. And he will become a son of the house. And he will be developed in the house. And then one day he will return to his nation and establish a church that will have an impact into many nations in Europe. Remember starting the church in Zurich. Dan was there. We read the prophecy. I said, this is not a good idea. This is a God idea. This was spoken of when Dan was 15. And he joined us in London and it just shows you the significance of God's word, God's promise, and God's encounter if we would take hold of his word and we would go on a journey. The amazing thing is today I stand before you, you know, as this was a journey. I went to London and I believed that we're going to see a, a great church established in London, which has happened, but not through me. Because God then spoke and says, you think you're here to London, come to London to grow a big church, but I've called you to London to raise many sons and daughters. 
and they will do the work. And now when you look at it, Equippers, just to keep the story relevant and short, is in, 50, I think, 15 or 16 different nations of the world, more than 10 different cities. And every, the, the amazing thing which I, I declare to you today is what makes it a God thing is every, every one of those ch- churches and every nation is led by a national apart from one. If you go to Italy, you meet Francesco. He is as Italian as Italian can get. Actually, if you go into London today, all English. Jolly good show, old boy. You know, they're there, the English are running the church and the church is flowing. Go to German. Oh, yes, sir. Three bags, no. <laughs> five churches now in Germany, reaching 2,000 people, but all run by nationals. Switzerland, a Swiss. Right now, we're into Slovakia. Amazing. The Slovakian church is mobilized, and right now, to Hungary and Germany, taking support into the Ukraine, going in regularly, the money that's been given to the Ukraine, serving churches, serving people. This, the way God has opened the door that we might even be able to reach into a nation that is desperate right now, simply because of the hand of God and what God has done. You go to Brazil, it's led by a Brazilian. You go to Mexico, it's led by a Kiwi, but they've been there 28 years. It's the only one where there's a different culture. But they would say they're more... They're more Mexican than they are Kiwi now. America, Americans. It's an amazing story, but it's a story of the favor and the hand of God. And I believe in this room today, and why I share, is because this particular testimony was prompted by the so-called Go Big series. Because Go Big is not hype. Go Big is about you allowing God to minister into the areas of reluctance, and we all have them, smallness, restriction, where we trust in our own ability rather than God, where we don't let God define us, but we allow other things to define us, and we don't let the Spirit of God minister into our heart and make the changes. And today, I believe my testimony is being released so that you can stand there and say, okay, God, I believe there's a ceiling on my life. How do I break it? What are the steps I need to take so that I can embrace the journey and the direction God has? Sometimes in our walk, we need to stay where we are because God is developing us into what he has. And so what I want to finish with today is just three areas. I have the keyboard player. That, would you just come and play in? I want to minister in three areas that I believe are so important. Just the keyboard player, fine. Thank you. If we're going to break ceilings in our life. How many want to break a ceiling? Sometimes those ceilings for where you are could be academic. You've got to break a ceiling. I had to break a ceiling of shame that had come through being dyslexic. And when I went to school, there was no such term used. You were just treated as dumb because no one had really identified a program to help people like myself. My youngest granddaughter's dyslexic. She goes to someone every week to receive help. I didn't have that. I was just treated as dumb. She's a clever girl, but she's dyslexic. I know what it feels like. 
And what we, what we do is we can put a ceiling on our life and say that limits us. So for me, the way that sealed me is, well, I, I'll just be a farmer because I can do what I see. But never knowing that, please listen to what I say, never knowing that the divine call on my life was to be academic, was to be a preacher, was actually having to force myself to read, was actually forcing myself to write sermons, was actually preparing myself for a role that in many ways I could have rejected because I would have looked at myself and said, no, no, that's a ceiling. I can't break that ceiling. But God says, no, no, that ceiling you must break if you're to become everything I've called you to be. But we can hide behind it. We can hide behind fear. We can hide behind our limitations. We can hide behind insecurity. We can hide behind things in our life that we feel as though I could never do that. But you can. And I believe today God wants to break ceilings. God wants to break limitations. God wants to break you into a world that perhaps in secretly in your heart, you know God has called you to, but you've masked it, you're hiding behind your own limitations. Or sometimes we push ourselves into a world that God's not called us to. And I believe that if we are to know the inheritance of God's blessing in our life. It's so important that we let God come to our life at strategic moments and brings a defining moment. You open yourself to the Holy Spirit to speak. And I just sense the Holy Spirit wants to do that today. Three areas that have helped me. And these you don't even need to take notes on, you'll remember, because the words are so powerful. This is where you probably might have heard me speak and talk about this before, but I talk about it because it's so important. I believe sometimes there's a reluctance in the church to do so. It's the importance of praise. Praise is powerful. Praise opens your heart to the presence of God. The general attitude I see in a lot of the churches. People just like what I call more the devotional style worship. God, here I am, come and meet me. They want to tend a moment. But they really don't want to have to respond. Whereas praise is something you do. Praise is something you choose to do. You choose to lift your hands. Whether you like it or you don't, whether you feel like it or you don't, you choose to praise Him. Whereas worship, you could stand there and say, I'm not feeling too good today, God. Show up or else. If you want to break into what God has for your world, you've got to learn to put on the garment of praise. That's why as equippers, we put a lot of emphasis on praise. I will praise you. I will lift my heart to you. I will declare your goodness. Even though I don't feel like it this morning, I lift you up as the rock of my salvation. You are the great I am. You are the Lord and giver of life. You are my Redeemer. I choose to praise you. I choose to lift you up. And this is where I've used this illustration before. And I'll do it with Ben over here. Stand up, Ben. See, see Ben, 
as a great man. But God is not his tailor. God has not made a garment to fit Ben where he stands right now. If he was his tailor, he would be a pretty smooth dressed man. Amen? I'm not saying you're not, but I'm just... <laughs> but I want you to stand on the seat. What praise does is lifts Ben up to fit the garment God has already made for him. He's already made a garment. And what he wants is, is Ben to grow up and fit into the garments that he's already made. He's made a garment. He's made this garment. And we put, when we put on the garment of praise, we're able to lift into the garment God's made for our life. It is so powerful. And a lot of people are basically always things been wanting God to come down. God, come into my miserable world. I feel so needy and lonely. Please, God, come down. And that's really human nature. We want God to come down to where we are. God, come down and heal me. God, come down and meet my need. God, I beg you, come down. God says, no, no, you come up. You put on the garment of praise. You put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You lift your heart. You make a choice to be thankful and to praise me. And when you do, you watch how I will meet your need. Because you're elevating yourself to where God is. Give you a testimony. I was in Masterton last November. Through lockdown, I'd really developed a problem right down the side of the side of me. I couldn't walk properly. And because I have artificial knees, it affected, started to affect, because I was starting to walk wrong, it affected my knees, and I started to think that uh, my uh, knees were now needing replacing, and I, I was in pain. And the worst thing out is my, one of my boys said, you're walking like an old man, Dad. And that was enough to say, come on, God, you've got to do something because I don't like. And so I, I went to go to Marston. I flew to Palmerston North and I got in the car and I was by myself. And one of the things I've really loved to do is make my car a sanctuary. And I said, do. I, I've got a camper van now. And when I'm in it by myself, I make it my sanctuary. It's where I just pray. So from Marston right through to uh, Palmerston to Marston, and I just Worship God. I praise you. I, I choose to worship you. I choose to lift you up. I, I honor you, Jesus. I start praying. I, I reckon I would have prayed for William Desiree that day in the car. Because I pray. I pray around the world. I pray for certain people. I worship God. I pray right to the master. I went down, preached and mastered. And on the way home, I normally give myself to dream a little. The Holy Spirit got in the car and the Holy Spirit said to me, come on, Bruce, I still want you to praise me. He said, but I've just preached, I've worked. No, no. He said, no, no, come on, put on the garment of praise. So I didn't feel like it, but I made a decision to. You know how you can sort of be reluctant, but like the children of Israel. So I, I choose to, I got in the car, God, I, I just praise you. I thank you. I started to open up my heart and my praise to meditate through Scripture. Lift them up to the great I am, the King and the glory of life. I go through certain words in my heart just so I got an understanding that 
My praise is not just empty, but it's full of meaning and understanding. I go through Psalms and bless the Lord on my soul. All that is within me. Bless His holy name. Oh God, I, I don't want to forget any of your benefits. I choose today to lift you up. I choose to praise you. That day I turned to Payatua. If you know Payatua, some of you might down here. But you just turn and you go over what was called the Payatua Track. So I was going over the Payatua Track. And I came to, if you know the journey, I, I came to the, the milk factory. And when I got there and I'd been praising God, so I'm not sure how long it took to get to there, but anyhow, I wasn't conscious. I got, got to the milk factory and the Holy Spirit, as clear as anything, just said, Bruce, I've healed you. And do you know, immediately I was healed. Immediately. I, I, I walk today without pain. I know God's healed me. I'm free. God, God, God's done something significant. No longer can my boys say, stop walking like an old man, Dad. And the worst thing is, you said, my, one of my sisters is 82. You're walking like your sister. And I go, oh, no. <laughs> but I knew I was healed. See, praise is powerful. But sometimes we're trying to pull God down to our world rather than saying, come on, God, I lift you up. But praise opens your heart to the bigness of God. Praise opens your heart to what God wants to do. You learn to know the rhythms of His grace. You learn to walk with a sense of His understanding and the sound of heaven ministering into your being. Come on, never underestimate this church. Willie, come on, let praise be heard in this house. Let praise. Some people will try and pull you into devotion, but don't let praise be lifted up because when you praise Him, you will have great devotion. Amen. But praise, thanksgiving and praise opens the heart to the power of His presence and His wonder and His glory. The second part, which I found is really important as you journey with Jesus is faith. Faith is trusting what God has said, even though the circumstances, circumstances around you might be a contradiction. Praise doesn't all us faith doesn't always initially work out the way you think. It will be tested. Amen. How many hold a promise from God? Put your hand up. Come on, it will be tested. But it's how you work through that moment of testing will determine the power of your faith and your confidence in God. And I believe that there are people here today where your faith is right now under a test. Come on, do not deny the promise. Do not deny what God has said. I've got promises from God and I've been talking to Him about them this week and I say, God, I believe what you said. I am not gonna let current circumstances rob me of your destiny. I'm not gonna let current circumstances rob that person of their inheritance. I'm not gonna let current circumstances take away from me what you've called. And I believe even for our nation, the city, we need men and women who know how to pray in faith, who know how to battle for our nation, who know how to persevere, who know how to break through, who know how to pray in faith. Amen. That all the ends of the earth 
will see the salvation of God. And the scepter of the wicked will not rest on this land because it's been allotted to the righteous. And right now we declare the power of His anointing and the power of His blessing. Faith. So praise, I will praise you. Say it, I will praise you. Come on, say it, I will praise you. Praise will rattle demons. They hate the sound. They don't mind you worshipping. When I say worship, I don't mean giving your heart. But they don't mind you just standing there waiting. But when you praise, you will rattle demonic powers. The final word is the word trust. I sometimes put in my journal, I'm getting better at trusting you, Lord. Trust is powerful. Psalm 37 verses 4 to 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart, do good. Dwell on the land, feed on His faithfulness, delight yourself in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Not sure whether I shared this, probably I did, but I'm going to share it again because I think it's a good illustration and it's quite contemporary. With COVID, it hit 2020. By the middle of the year, it had become pretty severe. And we started to enter into a lockdown. Everything started to change. And I remember saying, God, What's the devil up to? I don't like this. I remember clear as anything, the Holy Spirit just spoke into my heart and said, Bruce, make COVID your servant, not your master. That's how God spoke to me. Make COVID your servant, not your master. So I haven't had COVID, just to let you know. I've been all around Europe. Months ago, I was in Germany, England. I've hugged everybody I've seen. I don't wear a mask unless I'm told to. Stubborn old man, you say. <laughs> I'm vaxxed, so I'm not a non-vaxxer, but haven't had COVID. Was in the car with my son, Sam. Was with him for 48 hours. Drove him home from the airport. He was there, I was driving. I said, I think you got COVID. <laughs> he goes home, does a test, rings me up. Five minutes later and says, it took two minutes, I've got COVID. You better be prepared. I said, no, COVID's my servant, not my master. I didn't get it. My wife hasn't had it. None of the boys in our house have had it. I don't know why. I've got no prescription, but I haven't had it. But what I did is at the beginning, I said, COVID, I spoke to him. COVID, I know where you come from. You will be my servant. You will not be my master. I will not fear. I will not let you intimidate. I will do what the government says, but I'm not going to be controlled by you. In Jesus' name. So COVID, I saw, it became like a river. Hit our nation. People got in the river of COVID. We start getting swept down the stream. Fear starts to captivate society. Everybody starts reacting, responding. Starts controlling people's lives. Starts to really direct how people respond to life. 
I'm only testifying. You mightn't like what I say, but I'm just telling you. COVID, you are my servant. You are not my master. So way back here, I did something. I said, COVID, one day, I'm going to laugh at you because you thought you would control. But God is going to use you to release an amazing move of God. The world has never seen. That's why I'm speaking to you like this. What I did was at that point, I threw over an anchor. I threw over an anchor. I put the anchor over. It's called the anchor of hope. So I was way back at the beginning. Threw it over. Just imagine, I'm a boat. I looked at the COVID river flowing past me. I had the anchor down. Hey, where you go? I'm secure. I don't like what's happening around me, but you're not going to move me. I'm not going to go down this river. I'm not going to go down this tide. I'm not going to let you play with my mind. I'm not going to let you discourage me. I'm not going to let you rip out my inheritance from me. In fact, if I could have gone to the UK then, I would have gone, but I couldn't. But I stayed anchored. I trusted the Lord. That's what trust is. You trust when everything around you is not good. Do you know what motivated me? Do you know what motivated me? As I thought, and I've only read about it, I thought of the Second World War. More recently, you think of the people in the Ukraine. But they went through hell. None of you and I could even comprehend what they went through in the Second World War and what they had to hold on to in the face of evil. But yet we get intimidated. We let fear rob us. We let it control us, what we do. We won't live a normal life because we're scared. And I believe today God wants a people who will rise up and they will trust Him. They will trust Him. They will feed on His faithfulness. They will do good. They will find a way to break through and do good in the face of evil. They will trust in the Lord. They will delight in Him. He will become the joy of their salvation in Jesus' name. Today I believe and I prophesy that this is an hour of the church. This is an hour where God wants to move. It's an hour where God is looking to take the ceiling off. He's wanting to elevate us. He's wanting to take us on a journey, Ben, where we actually begin to move into the the directions, the areas that God's called us to. He's wanting us to lift up our heart. He's wanting us to live a life that's thankful and not corrupted by the circumstances around us. Politicians can only band-aid the world. They can try and throw money at it. But only Jesus can change the heart. No one else. And that's right now in the face of the sounds that are in the world, the the power of the redemptive nature of Jesus Christ is the answer 
is salvation. He is the Lord and giver of life. As we say on Easter Sunday, because He lives, I can face my tomorrow. Thank you for listening to this message recorded live at Equipus Church, Dunedin. We pray that it blessed you. For more information, please check out equipuschurch.com.